think everybody I was with started the trail alone. So okay. there was no problem with like, you know, itineraries. Everybody was doing their own thing, mm-hmm. which was really nice because it's just like, oh, I'm staying in town. And I was like, sure, whatever. Right. But like on the AT, me and Buzz had planned everything together. So we had like shared equipment. Wow. We had shared food boxes being sent. So we were kind of like locked next to each other, mm-hmm. which which was fine. Uh, like we hiked pretty good together, pretty similar pace. But it just takes away that freedom if like one one partner wants to like stay in town and like take a zero, and the other's like, no, no, we gotta get going. You're listening to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is Sheriff Woody, known off trail as Matt Berger. He has made a career out of through hiking since stepping on the AT in 2012, and having completed his Triple Crown, admits that there are some sections he wants to go back and pick up in order for it to feel truly complete. In this episode, he shares some great stories about animals, food, and learning the hard way. You can find us at hiking-through.com, through spelled T-H-R-U, of course, where you can find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Sheriff Woody. You had a good day? Yeah, I just got back from hiking around Mount Hood. Oh, sweet. Yeah. How is the weather up there? How's the temperatures up there these right now? Oh, it's been nice. It's a little, a little chilly. I'm in the shade now, so it's probably like 60 degrees, but mm-hmm. it's been sunny the entire week and, you know, 70s, mid-70s. Really nice weather for the Portland area. <laughs> Very nice weather for the Portland area. Does it does being out there uh, bring you back to the your hike on the PCT? Yeah, I actually went up and hopped on the PCT at Timberline Lodge a couple of days ago, just for like a mile or so, just to relive it. Because you've done the Triple Crown now, so congratulations there. Thanks. I still have a couple parts I have to do on some of the hikes where I skip fire, fire closures and reroutes right. and things like that, but eh, for the most part. So, so are you a strict adherent to, you got to do all the miles? Uh, I didn't used to be, um, but at this point I generally try to, um, on my okay. first hike on the AT, I started southbound with like a 50 pound pack and just a bunch of nonsense, um, like a slingshot and a machete <laughs> and a oh fishing my. pole and, oh yeah, I, I was going to live, live off the land. And so I hurt myself within like four days going mm-hmm. south. So I was in the hundred mile wilderness, had to get picked up out of there on a logging road. So I got to go back and do that little piece there too. But yeah, so from the PCP on, I've tried to do all of it if I can. So like we walked on a lot of roads trying to get all the miles of the Continental Divide Trail. So that one's nice and clean. <laughs> But but I take it you have some miles you got to get you've got to pick up on the PCT and then 
if I'm hearing you right, you had some miles on the AT that you still need to pick up or? Yeah, correct. Okay. Now, if, if you went, you started southbound with some crazy stuff and a heavy pack. Oh, yeah. And then had to get picked up. When did you come back in 2012 to do it full on or? Yeah, so I got injured and my hiking partner, Buzz Lightyear, was still okay. Mm-hmm. And he really wanted to keep going. So we got the ride back to Millinocket. And then his little brother came out and hiked with him for the section while I was back at home healing. My Achilles tendon was like tearing. Oh. So I was wearing I was wearing like these really small boots and just a really heavy pack. We just had no idea what we were doing. Neither of us, or at mm-hmm. least me, I definitely had not researched it. He was just like, hey, let's hike the Appalachian Trail when we graduate college. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> didn't like read <laughs> blogs. I didn't do any research. So I was one of those, one of those people. So yeah, so my ankle got real messed up. I went back and uh, got like inserts in my boots. Never mm-hmm. crossed my mind and maybe just not wear boots. Like right. you just wear trail runners like everybody else does. But at that, you know, the AT, people still wear boots out there. That's like a common mm-hmm. thing for beginners. So I got like an insert in my boot and that helped a little bit. And I dropped like 25 pounds off my pack and that definitely helped. Oh, I'm sure. So I jumped oh, back sure. on southbound on the AT, like I think it was about two weeks later in Andover, Maine. So I've got like the first 50 miles of Maine and like the last 50 miles of Maine. So that's like my main hunk that I need to get. But then from there down, went all the way down to Southern Virginia and then got burnt out, hopped off for a little bit and then was home. I was like, what the hell am I doing? I got to get back on the trail. So I begged my dad to drive me back all the way from Cincinnati down to like, (laughs) I can't remember where, I think like the Great Smoky Mountains Mm -hmm. or something like that. I've been chipping away at that part over the past, like, six years, so I've got most of that chipped away now. So i got to go back and grab maybe, I can't even remember how many miles are there, maybe like 100. So as as you were kind of going back and forth, was uh, Buzz continuing on? Yeah, so Buzz continued on. He went the whole way. He kept going. He hiked, his, hiked in Maine with his little brother, mm-hmm. and then his little brother hopped off when I got back on. And then me and him hiked the whole way together. We started hiking with this girl, Littlefoot, in, I think, New York. We met her in New York City, actually. We'd seen her before on trail, but in New York City, we, like, it was super weird. We just, like, went into the actual city, like, unplanned, and she was there, too, unplanned. We ran into each other at the World Trade Center Memorial, actually, and we are just like, whoa, that, what are the chances that, like, us hikers, like, run into each other in New York yeah. City in the same place? So she had been hiking with a couple, and I think they got off there, and then she joined our crew. So uh, okay. the three of us hiked all the way down down south. So I sort of have two two questions here. One is, sure. did you continue to hike with Buzz for the other trails that you've done? No, Buzz only did the AT. Okay. He he did the smart thing and got a real job and <laughs> money and has a family. He's married now, so... Real life called. He went to real life and I'm just kind of like floating around somewhere. I, I mean, I have to ask for the names. You know, you're Sheriff yeah. Woody and he's Buzz Lightyear. Like, did those come about on the trail or were those things that you brought to the trail with you? Uh, it was kind of a mixture of both. Uh, we've been like meeting a lot of people that were, you know, kind of getting lame trail names like 
a turtle or like tortoise or fast turtle or rap, you know, just like real generic, like, oh, we don't want that. And we had been singing Disney songs a lot. I don't know. We were in Boy Scouts together and we would do like karaoke nights and we'd sing some Disney songs. So he's kind of like shorter, not really much shorter, but he's stockier than me. Mm-hmm. And so he was Buzz Lightyear and I was like tall and real skinny and lanky. So I became Sheriff Woody. And so that's how we got our names from like the Toy Story characters. It sounds perfect. And I, and I know that you, or I've seen pictures of, of the actual Sheriff Woody out on the trail with you. So. Yeah. Yep. I carry a little action figure with me. Yep. So I can pose them with things every now and then. It's brilliant. Thanks. Now circling back. So when, to the trail, like when Buzz left after the AT and you decided to keep going with the trails and the Triple Crown and, and all of that. Yeah. Did you start those by yourself? Did you start those with, with another group, another person? Yeah, I've started every trail since then, or the big trails anyway, by myself. So I did the PCT by myself. I asked a bunch of people, I was like, hey, I'm going to do the PCT if anybody wants in. <laughs> And everyone's like, no, no, we can't. We we have stuff to do. So, yeah, I went out there by myself and made friends pretty quick and hiked with a bunch of them the whole trail, like, from the start. So, essentially, you you got a trail family pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, and, like, immediately. I actually met Carrot Quinn on day one, and then me and her hiked or, or with each other or, like, near each other pretty much mm-hmm. the whole way we went and like, I think we met, like, most of, like, our core group within the first week, I'd say. Okay. And then I hiked, like, the whole way together. I mean, it was neat because it, like it was, like, a really nice trail family where some of them would be, like, I don't know, a day ahead or somebody would be a day behind. Somebody would be two days ahead. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to speed up, you'd still be around people you knew. And if you want to slow down, take a day off, you, oop, you're with another group of people you already know. So it's really nice. But, like, everybody, I think I think everybody I was with, started the trail alone so there was no problem with like you know itineraries everybody was doing their own thing Mm -hmm. which is really nice because it's just like oh i'm staying in town and was like sure whatever right like on the at me and buzz had planned everything together so we had like shared equipment Uh we had shared food boxes being sent so we were kind of like locked next to each other Mm -hmm. which which was fine uh like we hiked pretty good together pretty similar pace but it just takes away that freedom if, like, one one partner wants to, like, stay in town and, like, take a zero. And it was like, no, no, we got to get going. Right. There, there was some tension a few times. Yeah, I, I can imagine. It, it sounds like what ended up happening on the PCT and the CDT kind of worked best because you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. I, I mean, it was really, even on the CDT, like, a trail family, like, evolved pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And that was surprising to me. I didn't really know what to expect on that trail. But I met a guy... Like day one, he was like, "Hey, you want to hike together?" I was like, "Sure." And we got along. We hiked like the first thousand miles together, all the way up in Colorado. Yeah, it was great. And then like more people kind of hooked on, and yeah, it works out pretty well. How big would you say the the trail families became? Like, how many people are we talking here? Um, on the PCT, we probably had like twenty people. Oh wow! I would say with with yeah, there was a lot. Like. Um, I remember a couple times we like we were in Sierra City and I think it was like 15 of us all like staying in Sierra City at the same time. We we're like all just hanging out and drinking beer and like eating food and just having hiker bliss, just mm-hmm. <laughs> taking a zero, chilling with all your friends. 
the CDP was definitely smaller. Uh, we, I think we had like a group of four or five for a little bit in like northern New Mexico to maybe mid Colorado. And then after that, it was me and my hiking partner feigning goat the whole way to the end. Up in Wyoming, we ran into another like cluster of hikers for a while. And then we all took different routes. So we got like separated. But yeah, it was definitely smaller family mm-hmm. and a lot more solitude on the CDT. But uh, I have a feeling that's going to be changing. I think the CDT is becoming a lot more popular. It just feels like everybody's becoming much more familiar with the trails in general. Yeah. I had never heard of the PCT or the CDT when I did the Appalachian Trail. I didn't even know they existed until I was already done with it. I oh, really? Didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, no, I did like no research at all like for the first one. <laughs> ignorance I did is a bliss. lot of research on the second one. Uh, ignorance was pain, um, but it turned into bliss. Type 2 fun. And, and you literally, like Buzz literally said, hey, I'm going to do the AT. And you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, he was like the he was the ringleader for that one. He like planned all the stops out and everything like that. And I was just I felt like I was just kind of along for the ride, which was nice. You know, I didn't have to worry about like planning, but I also had no idea what I was doing or what we were getting ourselves into. Right. So it was fun. It was fun learning the hard way. I mean, he had a bunch of crazy stuff too. He had a tomahawk, like not even a hatchet, <laughs> but like rolling axe for bears or something. You know, but. I don't know. It gives me hope. Like looking back now, like starting on, I did a 240 miles of the AT from Springer to Standing Bear this spring with Fain Goat when she was doing her Appalachian Trail hike. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you're starting at the peak season of like the, you know, not the, I guess people call it like the beginner trail, but AT is hard. It is not easy, but you just run into all these people that just have ridiculous items and you're like, you can think like, oh, they're never going to make it. But that was like totally me. <laughs> so it's, I don't know. You, you learn the hard way. You learn from other hikers. Or we learn from other hikers. So did you drop your items along the way or did you hang on oh, to them, yeah. send them home? Oh, yeah. We got rid of, I mean, when I went home, I got rid of a ton of the nonsense, like machete and the slingshot, <laughs> fishing pole, all that stuff. That's gone. Yeah, didn't need that. Still had like, a lot of extra, probably like clothing. I'm sure we carried like extra, like we still had a stove at the time. We bailed on the stove in Vermont um, going southbound. I've never cooked or used any cooking equipment since then. I was just like, there's too much work. I'm too tired. It weighs too much. I don't feel like cleaning. So Mm -hmm. that's not normal. I'd say there's a lot of people that do no cook, but I don't, I feel like more people probably do still. Yeah. Carry a stove and cook food, but I don't know. Just makes getting food in town that much more and more exciting. Hot food becomes more joyous. Oh yeah. I mean, well, it's like you can eat hot food, but is it even good hot food? You're like eating ramen or pasta sides or Idaho and potatoes. Or if I you're heard rich, mac and you cheese. Get like a mountain house. You know, Velveeta mac and cheese. That is a good one, but it takes a long time to cook it. Yeah. So you went basically stoveless for most of the trails. Yeah, completely stoveless for the PCT, CDT, Arizona Trail, the Colorado Trail, and the lowest, the highest. Like everything except the AT, the beginning of the AT. Beginning, right. Okay, so this is, this is going to be a silly question, but I just, I'm, I'm, I've had a couple of people say to me, they just like cold-soaked ramen or something like that. 
Oh yeah. My brain can't conceive of cold ramen. Like I just. <laughs> yeah, I've hiked with a lot of people that do it. <laughs> Doesn't look tasty to me. The fainting goat does cold, so, or she did on the CDT a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, you just carry like a gelato container and you just jam your, you know, ramen in there and you just put water in it, maybe like an hour or half hour. I'm not real sure how long, just right. a while before you arrive at camp. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you're at camp, it is fully hydrated. It's not like crunchy or anything, but it's just <sighs> cold ramen. Yeah. I'd, I'd just rather not have a mess. So that begs the question, like, what was your standard meals for a day? Okay. So, (laughs) I I don't know. I might be abnormal, but I just have a big sack, usually like a trash bag, just filled with, like, food. So Mm -hmm. I'll just pull out whatever looks good at the moment and eat it. I have no, like, dinner food or breakfast food or it's just chips cookies, beef jerky, um, some dried fruit, lots of nuts. I'm big into like acorns, acorns, (laughs) big into like, uh, pecans and walnuts and pistachios. Basically the more expensive the nut, the tastier it is. I'm kind of peanut and uh, almonded out. Oh, I'm sure. So it sounds like you were sort of doing like bite size or meals that you can sort of eat on the go or like there wasn't a big production of having a meal? Um, I mean, yeah, it's, we'd have lunch. We'd stop and like have like a lunch break for like, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. however long it takes to eat and then just keep on going. Right. Uh, we don't really take a, a big break generally when I'm hiking unless you know, we would have like extra time to kill, which is rare. Um, but yeah, you know, just, for the food that tastes best in your mouth at the moment. What else besides peanuts and almonds did you just get completely sick of? Uh, any sort of like trail mix as it's mixed. I know it's dumb, but when it's all mixed together, it all just tastes grosser to me. So, okay. Uh, like on the AT, me and Buzz, like we went to Costco or Sam's or something like that beforehand and like bought like $1,500 of food. And a lot of it was to make gorp. You know, mm-hmm. good old raisins and peanuts. So yeah. we prepackaged Gorp, you know, five months out. You know, like we had all this, you know, for for the five months we were on the trail. So obviously it doesn't stay as good for five months in Ziploc bags. We just like mixed it all up. It's like Cheerios and peanut M&Ms and raisins and peanuts. Mm-hmm. It, just like basic trail mix and like, I think maybe like two weeks in, we never wanted to touch it ever again. And we had like pounds of it sent in every single box. So we'd, we'd take the M&Ms out and maybe like nibble on the Cheerios and then boom, hiker box them every time. So I don't know. Just like, I don't know. I just don't like the taste of like M&Ms have been scraped against raisins and nuts and stuff for, you know, however long you've been carrying it. But by themselves, I don't mind them all that much. So, yeah, Trail Mix got really tired of that, really tired of Slim Jims. We sent ourselves hundreds of Slim Jims. And mm-hmm. So, I mean, if people were planning to do, like, the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail, I wouldn't do boxes at all. I wouldn't send myself food at all, except in certain areas where there's just not a store, like, not a good store. Mm-hmm. 
just because you're going to get tired of what you bought. Unless you really, really mix it up, you're going to hate most of the food that you have. Right. So it's better to, to sort of graze at the store where you are. Oh, yeah. It is, it is really, really exciting to have just been walking for 100 miles. You're really, really hungry. You just dream about food all day and the food that you can get. And then you walk into, like, Safeway or just mm-hmm. any, like, you know, big grocery store. Oh, and you're just like, what do I want? I can have anything. <laughs> <laughs> I can oh, mostly, like, baked goods. Like, you go over and, like, grab a bunch of donuts or, like, just the whole pumpkin bread or just... Uh, cookies, oh, it's so good. And those are things that you don't, you know, they don't last. You can't really mm-hmm. like, send yourself like donuts. So like those are the things you want the most that you crave. So I would recommend not, especially on the AT where you can get to town very frequently with like very little effort. Right. I would not send boxes. What was your favorite like delicacy? Like you walk into the store and it never got old. Oh. Like you were just like, <laughs> hmm. That's a good question. French crawlers are really good. Like the chocolate frosted donut. Mm-hmm. It's like real soft. I got turned on to those on the PCT. And every time that I can find them, it's, it's a real good treat. Um, but other than that, um, like cheesecake or pies. Like baked, a dessert. Maybe mostly baked goods. Yeah, at this point, just like some sort of like bready thing, just jam full of calories. Because I'm, I'm hearing this a lot from people, you know, and, and it, the, the meal programs, plans, if you want to call it a plan, are very carb heavy. You know, proteins, fats, yeah. and that kind of stuff are, are sort of on the wayside here. Did that cause you any problems as you were, as you were hiking and, you know, muscle, muscle mass and all that good stuff? Not too often um I, th- I think protein is definitely the hardest thing to get because all the good protein is really expensive like yeah. beef jerky like i'm a poor hiker like i buying beef jerky for every supply is just that's just cost too much mm-hmm. <laughs> but um i love beef jerky so I, I guess most of my protein probably comes from eating nuts from eating okay. like cashews or walnuts or things like that trying to think of what else i mean that's probably the main thing nuts for protein and some sorts of like tuna tuna's good tuna, cheap. Yeah. there's a lot of pro- protein in tuna i like tuna tuna yeah. on like a bagel with cheese or cream cheese it's pretty good it sounds almost normal it's almost normal it was a staple on the cdt for a while but yeah protein's pretty difficult to get fats fats are pretty easy to get you just mm-hmm. buy a big bag of chips and munch that down or any kind of like little Debbie hyper processed anything. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of fat in that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I was just going to say, we definitely don't eat healthy, or at least I don't on the trail. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's healthy for like the activity we're doing. Just, we're not going to gain weight. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, generally junk food. Things that would be really bad for you if you just sat around. Yeah. and And that's... Of everybody that I've talked been talking with, that's basically what they say. You know, it's it's all of the the junk food that you're eating, the high carb stuff, McDonald's, the you know beer yeah. at the bars in the towns, and <laughs> yeah, you you go a little guilt free crazy. Oh yeah, it's it's one of the perks of hiking. Like you can do <laughs> it, and you know you're not going to gain weight, so you can just do it all you want. You can 
Oh, okay. So I, you asked what is my main go-to mm-hmm. that I crave? Ben and Jerry's ice cream, for oh. sure. What that flavor? is definitely the number one thing that I want. Oh, all of them. I, I love them all. Um, I guess the most often one I get is there's a new one out. It's like chocolate shake it truffle. Oh, oh good so lord! Good. <laughs> um, but uh, half baked is good, and that's classic. Cherry mm-hmm. Garcia, you can get that one anywhere. That's like their main one, and that one's super good. And oh, they always have like. 1200 calories in them and you can just slam down a pint of Ben and Jerry's in a sitting no problem yeah that is definitely the main item that I want when I get to town usually mm-hmm. how how much weight did you end up losing over the course of the of a hike so on the AT I don't think I lost any weight um maybe like a few pounds the PCP I'm pretty sure that I like lost no weight or gained like a pound and then on the CBP, I lost 10 pounds. And I don't have 10 pounds to lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was feeling pretty emaciated by the end of that trail. It was just it was just tougher, just stressful, <laughs> but good. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm pretty amazed that you got through at, at least two of the trails without losing weight. That seems to be the common theme of everybody is they're, they're so calorie deprived that it's a, it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. I'm just, I, I'm really unusually skinny, so I just don't have any fat to lose. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I probably was like burning muscle or something. Right. I know I was burning muscle in the Sierra on the PCT because your pee like starts to smell like cat pee or just like, I don't know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. It's the smell of your muscles burning away. <laughs> I ran out of food at one point. What happened? Um, I just borrowed a little food from the people I was hiking with. It wasn't real bad. I wasn't like injured or anything, but I just was like basically starved. I was just burning more calories than I had had been eating and I just didn't have any more reserves. So your body just like begins to eat, you know, your leg muscles or right. your arm or something like that. But that that's what I've been told anyway. Like when you, when you smell your pee being like that. Mm-hmm. It's because it's breaking down muscle, it's right. like high in nitrogen. It smells bad. Or, I don't know. I'm not a not a nutritionist. <laughs> so, so when you when you I guess ran out of food or whatever, was it that you were on the trail longer? Did you eat more than you were assuming in the earlier days of that section? Or? Yeah, yeah. So the Sierra was just really really cold when we were there. Still just covered in snow. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was like one of the lowest snow years, we got in real early. So it was just completely covered in snow. We were walking on snow fields for 10 miles at a time sometimes. And it's cold and you're working real hard and you're just burning all your calories and just didn't have quite enough food. Um, actually, my buddy Twinkle Toes and Guthrie, they hiked to VBR in the Sierra. It's like an extra some certain amount of miles. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And they grabbed food from there and they brought it back and they gave me some. So. Nice. I definitely owe them. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was tough. It's not fun running out of food. It, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm starving. It's just, mm-hmm. oh, I'm really hungry. Hmm. That would be a little scary. No, I was going to say, in those cases, it's probably better to be hiking with somebody than... That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have other people around that you're friends with and care about you. And mm-hmm. 
have a little extra food and can keep you going. And then, you know, every now and then they'll run out or they'll need a little water and you'll have some, just kind of help each other out. Now, how was the water, water caches, that kind of stuff on the trails? Like on the AT, there's water everywhere. I think the longest stretch was like maybe 15 miles in Pennsylvania. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, we got to carry like three liters of water here. That's Mm -hmm. crazy. (laughs) And then you get over onto the PCT and uh, there's some real big carries there in the desert. Um, There was one that was supposedly like 42 miles or something like that. But there was a water cache. There were water caches in between. It was just like, don't rely on the water cache. But they were Mm -hmm. there. Um, but we definitely had carriers of like 30 miles. Um, so like six liters, six plus, we'll get you through that. The CDT, I don't think we ever carried more than six liters. There was a decent amount of water. Some of it was really gross, just like cattle troughs with dead animals floating in them or like full of algae. And on the Arizona trail, I had this one, um, I was out there by myself and it was just, it's called the beehive well, or beehive spring or something like that. It's just big water container and there was just mm-hmm. dead birds all over the top of it floating in it. And it was green and there were bees just all around and they're dead in it too. And it's like, oh, so I took it and I put it through my sore squeeze and I had to drink some. It was the only water around and it just tasted like, rotten animals taste like rotting corpses but i didn't get sick it just goes to show you that the the taste and the smell does not necessarily tell you the quality no no so squeeze did its thing it squeezed out the bacteria but it can't squeeze out the yeah the dead animal tea that's been steeping uh, in the desert sun did you have any issues with with like giardia or anything like that during any of your hikes I never did. I was actually really, I was pretty adamant about filtering just about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, after the Appalachian Trail, me and Buzz and I think Littlefoot also, we got like, we we're so ready to be done. We were just like, all right, it's the last day. We don't have time to filter. And we like grabbed water out of the big stream at the bottom of Springer and just chugged it. And we all had like, I, I like, think I text Buzz I was like, hey, have you, uh, going to the bathroom a lot lately and he was like yeah and i think littlefoot was too if i recall but mm-hmm. it wasn't like bad like i didn't feel sick or anything we just ended up having lots of frequent poops right. but on the other trails i was completely fine i okay. just i always filtered my water because I've, I've seen my friends get giardia mm-hmm. and i do not want it <laughs> <laughs> that was that was enough incentive for you to to do the right thing oh yeah Oh, uh, it was, yeah, my poor friend, uh, coffee got jerked up in like Northern California. And, um, to put it in his words, he was pissing mustard out of his ass for like oh, two weeks and, uh, he had to go to the hospital. Yeah. I think they had to put him on IV or something for a little bit. Like he was imagine. really, really sick. Like couldn't walk, mm-hmm. couldn't move. It was like, Oh my God, I'm just going to filter my water. <laughs> It it doesn't take that long. It really doesn't. And, you know, people are like, oh, in the Sierras, you don't have to treat your water. It's pure up there. There are marmots. There are deer. There are, like, mountain lions and bears. And there's people crapping all over the place up there. Like, 
Mm-hmm. The water's not quite as clean. I mean, getting off of like straight up snow melt or like a spring coming from the ground. That, I mean, I definitely did drink out of some of the springs up there. Right. But yeah, like the larger creeks there, like there's definitely poop in them. There's probably Giardia in them. Probably. Did did your Sawyer squeeze last the entire trail trails maybe? So it it does depend on the water quality on the trail. Like okay. I would I would think on the AT it would last pretty good. Um, they didn't exist when I did the AT, um, and then on the PCT I got by the whole time with a Sawyer squeeze mini, just one of them. But I think that's pretty abnormal, and it was not moving fast by the time we got done. <laughs> but it worked. Better you just sit on your bottle, and yeah, water squeezes out of it. Um, on the Arizona Trail, I had a Sawyer Mini again, and the water is real nasty. If you're getting it from, they call them stock tanks. It's just a giant brown pond that cows like stomp around in and poop in and mm-hmm. pee in and drink out of. So there's a lot of those on that trail, and there's just so much salt in them that like, oh, it really messes up the Sawyer Mini. So I did just use one the whole trip, but it was just a sad little trickle by the time I was done. <laughs> Continental Divide Trail, I upgraded to the normal Sawyer, and it worked way better. Even that, it slowed down pretty good by the end of that trail. There's some pretty bad water in the desert there, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think I used one on each trail. But okay. you can always, they're so cheap that you can just, when one gets real bad, you just toss it. You can back flush them, but. Mm-hmm. I've found that that really doesn't help them for very long. Right. You'd be better off just getting a new one. That's what I do. I mean, I don't feel like carrying that big plunger that's like bigger than the Sawyer Squeeze itself. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, people are real anal about ultralight. So I was just like, eh, I don't really yeah. need it. It does work. It just doesn't work quite as fast. So. Right. Which Which is actually kind of entertaining coming from the guy who started out with a fishing pole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fishing pole. I the slingshot. I had steel shot. I had steel balls. <laughs> it weighed like a pound. Just like total noob. There's no laws, man. We could be eating rabbits for dinner, you know. Obviously. Oh my god. I learned pretty quick. It's not like that. You were gonna hunt your own game out there. I guess. Oh, I had no idea what I was in. I did catch fish though. We did catch trout. We ate them. That was mm-hmm. pretty good. Did you do any of that on the other trails or? No, I I think on the Sierra, um, I found some fishing line like on the ground, and I found a fishing hook at one point, and I was like, well, there we go. And I tied it to the end of my trekking pole, and I think I used like a gummy worm as a lure or something like that. There's these, you know, the lakes up there just filled with trout, but they yeah. couldn't care less. They didn't, they did not care. I caught fish with my hands a bunch on the trails. Just oh, like wow. you can catch the trout by like scaring them underneath a bank and then you pull them out but that's ah, put them right back in take a picture put them in i don't have anything to eat a trout with i don't cook so you can't eat them right that was more to prove you could do it and, than anything else yeah yeah so, yeah here we go i got a trout <laughs> take a photo put them back in yeah it's fun uh what pack were you using on this which pack yeah oh on the at i use like an 85 liter kelpie external frame with things dangling all off of it. Um, then when we got to Massachusetts, uh, we, I switched to a pack. Uh, actually, I have it right here with me. Let's see. What is it called? Uh, High Sierra 30-liter. It's like a backpack. It's like a like a school backpack. It's tiny. 
really, really tiny. And that made it a lot more fun. Um, me and Buzz both bought new packs in Dalton, Massachusetts, and said if we can't fit into these packs, then we're not going to take it. So drop away a bunch of extra pairs of clothing, mm-hmm. uh, who knows what else we had, and just things that you don't really need. And after that, we had a great time. It was, our packs were so light that we could really enjoy ourselves without having any pain. And I used that pack from Dalton, Massachusetts, all the way down. And then I used it from Desolation Wilderness on the PCT, north of Canada as well. Um, okay. The first 1,000 miles or 1,200, whatever it is, to Desolation Wilderness, um, Echo Lake was a Gregory pack that I actually won in like a raffle or something like that. But that was a 55-liter. The size was okay, but it actually did hurt my back pretty bad, so... That's why I switched back to the pack that I knew would work. And mm-hmm. it was going to be warmer after we were out of the Sierra. So I was like, oh, I can carry, you know, smaller gear. Don't have to carry quite as much. So then I used that. Yeah, on the CVT, I used a Palanti pack uh, made by Handy Andy. I think it's just called a simple pack. And it had hip okay. belts and worked, worked like a charm. Super lightweight. Uh, no frame at all. I think it weighed like 14 ounces or something like that. It just rolls up into like a little piece of cloth. Mm-hmm. Super nice. What did, what was your base weight like by the time you got to the the upper PCT and the CDT? Um, I think it dropped to like maybe like nine pounds, eight or nine pounds. Maybe a little. It could have been a little less heavy, but I always carry cameras with me, like kind of bigger cameras, so that drops or like that adds like base weight that mm-hmm. you wouldn't have to have if you're really trying to go ultralight. But I just like taking photos. Right. So yeah, I think it was probably around nine pounds on all the hikes, maybe a little less on the CDT. So so what is your what is your camera setup, and and how do it how do you attach it to your to your uh, bag to your shoulder straps? Yeah, so on the PCT, I carried a Canon. Oh, I can't remember all the jargon. It was like a power shot. I carried that all the way from the oh. border to Echo Lake, and it weighs probably like a pound. It's kind of big. It's like a point and shoot, but it's got mm-hmm. a huge zoom lens. So it was kind of big. And I really didn't use it all that much because I didn't have a way to have it handy. If I wanted to use it, I had to take off my pack, go through my pack, pull out the camera, take it out of its case, and then, like, use it. So if there was anything super cool like a bear or something, some kind of animal I wanted to get a close-up of, it's long gone by the time you pull out the pack or pull out the camera. So on the uh, CDT, I got a Sony RX100, which a lot of hikers have. I found out it is a beast. It is real small, like the size of a cell phone, but obviously thicker. Um, mm-hmm. It weighs like nine ounces or something like that. And it's pretty powerful. Uh, it takes really good photos. That's, I love it. It's a great camera. Um, that's what we use on the CDT. And then just now on the lowest to highest uh, route that we did, I carried my new camera. It's a Sony A6000. It's a bit bigger. Um, it's got, like, exchangeable lenses. You can, like, put a zoom lens on it and things like that. But I just carried it with the stock lens, and it worked great. I was just taking pictures of plants and some animals. And yeah, weighs about a pound. Did the RX100 have ex- uh, changeable lenses, or is it... it no, it doesn't. It's, okay. just a, it's a point and shoot, but it's, like... A pretty expensive point to shoot. I think I bought mine used, and it was like three hundred and thirty dollars. 
and it was like a real old version. If you get like mm-hmm. the new up to date version, they're like a thousand dollars new. But wow. they take some real sharp photos. Real nice. You can get like pictures of galaxy. Like I took a picture oh, really? of like all the all the Milky Way and everything. Yeah, it's just a little point mm. shoot. It is it's a hefty little thing. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, I I mean looking at your Instagram pictures you did botany, so you're into the the plants and and animals. Oh yeah. But a lot of these are I mean, they're amazing shots of the plants and animals. And I'm I'm Thanks. impressed with the cameras being able to get that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, probably, honestly, most of them are with my iPhone, just because that's what I always have. And I can just pull it out real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have my camera handy on the last two hikes. I could just reach behind me in my pack and pull them out because they're small enough. And I just would keep them on the outside pack if there was no chance of rain, which is most of the time on those trails. Um, yeah. And yep. I'm definitely not a photographer. Like I have no training. I just am barely learning with my new camera that has like detachable lenses. I guess it's more like a DSLR, but it's a mirrorless camera. So it's not as bulky, but it's the same concept, changing the aperture and everything by hand. It took me a, a good while to figure out how to get it to work at all, but yeah, it works pretty well. So, so you never, personally evolved a system where your camera was say on your chest and, and locked into your uh, shoulder straps or anything like that. No, I've seen people like that. I've seen a lot of people. I don't know how they do it, (laughs) but I just have my camera in a Ziploc bag and the mesh of my outside pack. I just swing around and pull it out just as fast. Yeah, no, circling back to your pictures, they're amazing pictures of flora and fauna and, and animals, small animals. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I have, um, I don't have it right now because I actually lost my old phone while I was hiking uh, for work. But I have like a little clip on macro lens that goes on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. So you can get real close ups of like a flower, like a little fungus or, you know, an, an insect, things like that. But uh, on my current phone, I do not have that lens. I got to buy it. You, you got you to gotta upgrade it again. Yeah, I think I actually have um, a lens back at home in Ohio that will fit on this. So I just mm-hmm. haven't bought it yet. I'm just going to get it when I go home. So the pack that you're using now, and you said it was a Polante. Polante pack, yeah. Polante. And that one is no no uh, frame, essentially. No, it's just like, it's just cloth with okay. straps. Yep. Yep. It's called the Simple Pack. It's just a For big open container. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big open container. It's got a mesh, a real big mesh pocket on the back. And then mm-hmm. it's got a little pocket on the bottom where you can just put snacks and just grab them real quick. It's pretty nice. Did you hike with a tent or a tarp or? Um, so on the Appalachian Trail in Vermont, when we like jettisoned all our unnecessary gear, we also jettisoned the tent because we're like, there's shelters everywhere. We'll just go to a shelter every night. <laughs> That'll make our base weight real low. So we got rid of our tent. And it sounds all nice and great when you can get to the shelter in time. But we definitely ended up walking in the middle of the night, you know, till like 11 p.m. some nights. And when it's thunderstorming and it's raining and you're walking in the middle of the night, smacking your feet on roots and stuff. You're like, oh, I wish I had a tent. 
<laughs> but it worked out well. I mean, we were going southbound, so the shelters were not real crowded. We always had room in them. We were always able to get in them. I think if you're in northbound, that would not be a super good choice because right. those shelters are real packed peak season. Mm-hmm. Now, what about on the PCT and the PCT at Kennedy Meadows? I got a wild oasis tarp tent. It's like a, okay. it's just like a tarp, but it had bug netting to the ground, but it has no bottom. So okay. it's nice. Keeps the mosquitoes away. It weighed like 13 or 14 ounces without the stakes. Um, and you just set up one trekking pole. And I still have that. I still use that um, when I need to. It's a little beat up. Um, I had a fox come in, come into it while I was asleep one night and Excuse grab me? my food. Yeah, I had a fox come into my tent with my food. I was using my food as like a footrest. <laughs> and uh, it just shoved its face through the mesh and grabbed onto it and started shaking. So I'm on the Colorado Trail, and, you know, it's like every hiker's worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like, I wake up, there is an animal shaking the hell out of my tent. I'm like, screaming, and I'm in my sleeping bag, so I'm like kicking, but, you know, you can't do anything. You can't get your arms out. I'm just yelping in terror. I'm like, <laughs> And then finally, like, it's pitch black. You can barely see. And I finally, like, peek out underneath. And I can see it's definitely not a bear. It's like a, mm-hmm. it's either a coyote or a fox. But I think it was a fox because we've been seeing them the last few days. And yeah, it was just grabbed onto my food bag through the mesh. So it tore a hole in my mesh and it was just shaking, shaking. And I like screamed at it and it ran down the hill. And then I could see it ran right back up and I grabbed it again. And it tried to get it one last time. And then like I jumped out of my tent and there were two other guys that I didn't know that were camping right next to me. And they were like, freaked out too <laughs> like what what's going on <laughs> um so we popped out and we couldn't sleep the rest of the night so we made a fire and then we became friends and we hiked uh, a bunch of the colorado trail together <laughs> so that's what i use most of the time um even with the hole it's it's surprisingly small for what the fox is doing so some mosquitoes can get in it but i don't think they're smart enough to like locate the hole <laughs> um yeah but then on the um, uh, Continental Divide Trail, I carried that same tarp for, like, most of the trail. But me and uh, Finn and Goat were hiking together most of the time, so we just shared her tarp. It okay. was big enough to fit us both. And then I sent it home eventually. It was, you know, it was extra weight. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about that extra weight. Yeah. Now, if, you don't, if you're not using it, get rid of it. Yeah. Now, I was reading in, uh, I think it was one of your, your blog posts about bear attack nightmares oh yeah so was that okay so this is the cdt this is when it was oh it was not the funnest times the every area that we were in we were i think we we're in the bob marshall wilderness when this happened it was absolutely on fire like everywhere it was so smoky you couldn't see more than like a couple hundred feet and it was just completely obscured. And so you're breathing in smoke all day, all night. And you're just kind of like, oh, this sucks. I don't know where the fires are. We have no idea. Uh, we went into the wilderness knowing there were like a few fires on the outskirts. And then the day we went in, there was like a storm and all these new fires started in the wilderness that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. So then we were in it and uh, no service, obviously. So we don't know. We can't look it up. We're just like, well, we just got to hike through it. So we're already stressed out, 
And then, like, we're seeing grizzly bear footprints and poop everywhere. And we're just like, oh, there's a lot of bears here. It's <laughs> not super good. You know, we, we expected that. But still, you know, like, you're on edge a little bit. Grizzly bears are a little scary. So yeah. um, we find this one campsite this one night. We're hiking. And we're like, we can't find anywhere. There's nowhere flat. There's nowhere open. And it was getting dark, and ugh, we were just, like, stressed out. And then finally we found this one, like, perfectly flat spot, like, just great for a tent. But it's, like, among all these huckleberry bushes, it's filled with berries and the stream, and it's right on the trail. Like, this is exactly where, like, a bear would, like, you know, walk. This is exactly mm-hmm. where a grizzly bear would want to be. You know, it's going to be walking near the stream or walking on the trail. And we're right here in the berries, so... We sleep that night, and then at, like, like four in the morning, I shoot up. I'm like, oh, I knew it. I freaking knew it. And I can hear this huge animal, like, coming up from the stream, going through the huckleberries, coming directly towards us. And I was just like, oh, man. Uh, so I woke up, fainting, and go, shook her, and I was like, it's a bear, it's a bear, we got to scream. And we, like, count one, two, three, and, like, yell at the top of our lungs and, like, hit the side of the tarp, and it went shooting off into the woods. And we're like, <sighs> okay so it's gone <laughs> and then so like then i'm like real on edge i'm like all right they're definitely here and that thing like was checking us out and so like i just was like real on edge you know just real anxious I was like, oh man i just want to be done this is just so stressful and then i think it was the next night uh we find this camp site and it was like fine it, it was like on a, like a gravel road it was definitely more like i don't know <sighs> not as wild but anyway we're camping there and in the middle of the night like i have a sleep paralysis which i never had like gotten before but i guess you like like you wake up but you can't move your body Mm -hmm. and like you're having like the dreams still so like i'm having like this hallucination that there's like a bear there and um, i'm like trying to scream and like you try and scream but like you just kind of go Oh. Yes, I've had just, I've had nightmares like that. Yeah, so that's what was happening, and like, fainting goat has no idea what's going on. There's nothing actually there. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and she's like, what? And I wake up, and I'm just like, ah, start like screaming and kicking. Like I'm finally awake, and then she's like freaking out. She doesn't know what's going on. I'm like, ah, we're like kicking and screaming, and. She starts screaming. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm being mauled by a bear right now. This is how it ends. Like, and, But it was just her, like, trying to, it was just her trying to, like, grab me and calm me down. Like, she, there's nothing, like, and, like, in my terror, like, I, like, snapped her, like, trekking pole, like, clean in half. Like, it was holding up the oh, tent. Just, like, just snapped it. And, like, you know, we're wrapped up in, like, the falling down tarp. And we're just, like, oh, like, finally get out. And, like, all my hair is still standing up. Like it wasn't real. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't real, <laughs> but it felt so real. It was terrible. And I was just like, Oh, all right, let's, let's finish this trail up. Let's get her done. <laughs> that was not fun. Oh my God. But then we saw it and we actually saw grizzly bear like a few days later, but it was fine. It was just eating and, huckleberries. And, and that didn't bring on more dream nightmares. No, it was the second to last day. So the last day, we're just like, oh, we're, all right, we're ready to go. Like, we're going to mm-hmm. be good. We're going to make it. But, you know, like, like the actual grizzly bear, like, wasn't wasn't scary at all. It was like, oh, yeah, it was a grizzly bear, like, eating bears. 
don't know. It's just it's just a nightmare, you know. Yeah, your your imagination. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you? I guess I'm kind of asking this in terms of. Did you listen to things while you were on the trail, or was it silence? Because I'm wondering if maybe some of the stuff that you were listening to sort of uh, presupposed you to the the nightmare. <laughs> uh, no, I wasn't listening to like bear attacks podcast or anything. Um, I was like, I did listen to things a lot, but usually mm-hmm. just music or like uh, I downloaded a lot of audiobooks, but they're just definitely not bear related. It was just like the botany of desire and like other plants nerdy things that were just like, oh, that's nice listening about plants. <laughs> so, no, yeah. Like, everything I listened to was like real, real chill. Did, did you have a system for your days? Like it was quiet in the morning or did you start listening from the beginning of the day or? Um, it just depended. Um, if, if I was just like entertained by like where we were, I would generally wouldn't listen to music, but there's a lot of road walks on the Continental Divide Trail. Mm-hmm. So, you just walk like in the Great Divide Basin where you're just walking for 200 miles across like flat desert. You're like, all right, time to kill out a whole audiobook. <laughs> and you just put it in and you listen to it for like eight hours straight. Pretty nice wow. to learn, learn and walk at the same time. Yeah. The space, the, the wide open spaces yeah. seem almost inconceivable. And then when you're walking through it, I bet it just feels like it's going on and on and on. I loved it. It is so cool. <laughs> so I'm from Ohio, so everywhere you look, it's just trees or corn. So there's no, like, great vistas, like, out there. I remember this one point, um, well, a lot of points in the Great Divide Basin where, yeah, like you said, like, you can stand there and you look in every direction and it's all exactly the same. <laughs> like, you just see, like, 50 miles in this direction. You know, there's, like, slight slight hills it's not completely flat but there's nothing on there's no trees and there's like shrubs and it was mm-hmm. just so crazy to me i was just like this is so cool a lot of people hate it they're like oh this is boring there's nothing here but I was, it was just so different that I, I really liked it and the sunsets were awesome oh i'm sure especially unfortunately or fortunately with the, the fires yeah the quality of the sound out there the quality of the the silence out there um, how, how, what was that like? Oh, uh, it's pretty good. Most of the time. I remember one night really specifically on the Colorado trail where I was camped and just like in this, I don't know, there's just like a forest opening mm-hmm. and, uh, it was the most quiet I'd ever experienced in my entire life. And it freaked me out. Like, I was just laying there. I, I woke up. I think I looked at my phone. And it was like three in the morning or something like that. Uh-huh. And then, like, I laid back down. I was trying to go back to sleep. But I couldn't. I was just like, what the heck? Like, I was, like, listening. And there was just nothing. It was, like, not a, not a movement of wind, not a little animal, no, like, crickets. It was pretty cold. We were up real high. I think we were probably, like, 11,000 feet and I was by myself mm-hmm. like I was at like 11,000 feet and it was just absolutely dead silent and then I was trying to go to sleep and I heard like these footsteps like walking around outside my tent and I was just like oh come on like what the heck is this like leave me alone this was like I think a few days after the fox incident so right. I was just like oh just leave, leave me alone and then like it took me a while to like figure out what was going on 
and it was nothing outside. It was the sound of my heartbeat. It was my chest raising ever so slightly and brushing my sleeping bag. It was that quiet. I was just hearing my own heartbeat and freaking out. <laughs> wow. So That's it was in- cool once I figured yeah. out what it was. But I was like, I hear footsteps. It was like a real regular, like little. Mm-hmm. But it was just my heart. I was like, whoa, this is so <laughs> quiet. That's amazing. I, I know I have, I've camped uh, in uh, Capitol Reef National Park and woken up in the middle of the night and looked up at the sky and it's been so dark and so clear that the stars feel like you can almost reach out and touch them. Oh yeah. We were just on the lowest to highest route like a week ago and it was like that. It was oh the most beautiful stars I've ever seen. Yeah. And you said the ca- the cameras that you had would take some of those star field pictures and yeah, the RX100, uh, we finally figured out how to get that to do it. I haven't figured out how to get my Sony A6000 to do it yet. I'm sure, I'm sure that it can. Yeah. yeah. You got to like turn the exposure composite, compensation like all the way down and you have to like focus it just right into like oblivion. You can't really even mm-hmm. see what you're focusing at, so you just kind of like have to get lucky. Yeah. And then just leave the shutter open for like 30 seconds to a minute or something like that. It was just pure luck. And we finally like found out how to do it like really nice with the A or the RX100. Yeah. Did you do a lot of ca- cowboy camping? Oh, yeah. I love cowboy camping. Uh, the CD or, or Pacific Crest Trail, we cowboy camped almost every single night. I think we only set up, I set up my tarp maybe like, a dozen times the entire trail out of like 114 days or whatever it took. So like definitely more than 90% of the time we cowboy camped and it was nice since we were like generally like around each other. It wasn't real freaky, but mm-hmm. I've cowboy camped by myself a few times and you can kind of sketch yourself out. Be like, oh, what's that? But when you have that many people, it's like, ah, not, nothing's going to bother us. Yeah. Um, on the continental divide trail, I tried to do it. Uh, but we got burned a few times in the Great Divide Basin, actually. We're um, cowboy camping. It's a desert. You know, it's like hot desert. You know, it doesn't rain there. <laughs> so we're cowboy camping. We go to sleep. It's like a beautiful, like, starry night. And we wake up at, like, I think it was like 4 or 5 in the morning, and the wind started blowing. And we're, like, up on this ridge, and there's absolute exposure. There's, like, no trees mm-hmm. or anything. And um, it starts getting real windy. I'm like, oh, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, I'm sh- I'm sure it's just wind. I'm sure it'll be fine. And then, like, a couple minutes later, it just started absolutely downpouring. The biggest, fattest, coldest raindrops on us while we're in our downstripping bags. I'm like, no, no, it's not fair. <laughs> so it was, like, just starting to get light out. We just jammed everything in our pack and started hiking. We're like, well, what else do we do? <laughs> Yeah. And that kind of burned us. And then we didn't trust cowboy camping the rest of the trail from then on out. Mother nature. Mother nature. I never tried it on the AT. We had the shelters. And also, I don't know if I'd trust the weather out there either. Yeah. It seems to be very wet. Yeah. It just, those pop-up thunderstorms come out of nowhere. And they, you mm-hmm. just, if you're not close to a shelter and you don't have one with you, like you're going to get burned. Now, what were you using for sleeping bag and, and pad and, and that kind of stuff? Okay, so that's varied a lot on all the trails. On the Appalachian Trail, 
I actually used a Snuggie for like a what? long time. A Snuggie for like, I don't know, maybe like 500 miles or something like that. I was like, it's too hot. It's too hot to use a sleeping bag. And my cousin was just like, here's Snuggie, you this. So I used her Snuggie. I just had a sleeping pad and I put a Snuggie on and just <laughs> it worked pretty well for a few hundred miles. And then it finally started getting a little chilly and I got like a, just like a Walmart down sleeping bag, 40 degree. And I have it right with me here now. It works fine. So I use that for like hot temperature on the AT, you know, where there's no chance of it like getting cold in the summer. Right. And then on the PCT, I used, I think a 20 degree synthetic bag, which was real bulky, pretty heavy, but it sure did keep me warm. So that was nice. And then I've upgraded down now. So on the CT, I used an enlightened equipment, uh, 20 degree down quilt. Okay. Um, I, I was like, oh, I got to be as ultra as possible. Time to go quilt life. And I would not recommend it if you're like okay. me and you roll around all night because mm-hmm. I do. And then the, the open part on the bottom always ends up on the side of the top. And when it's real cold and it's like 30 degrees and you're in it, it gets real cold. So if I were to do it again, I would just, you know, eat the extra ounce or two and get a zipper and stay, you know, mm-hmm. way warmer. Um, but it works. It does the job. It's, right. it's probably it's, it's not it. It's me. I just roll around. Like if you just lay down and fall dead asleep and don't move all night, then it's probably awesome. Yeah. But who knows if they're going to do that? <laughs> yeah. I would just get a sleeping bag. Yeah. Now, what what did you use for a pad? Um, so on the AT, I had this hand-me-down army surplus, like green inflatable pad, and it was awesome. I don't know where it is. I think it, I think I may have lost it or something. But it was super good. I used that on the PCD too the entire way. It was just like this full length. It probably weighed like a pound. It was pretty heavy for pad, mm-hmm. anyways. But I could just throw it down on rocks. I could throw it down on like pine needles and pine cones and never got a hole. Just throw it down on any surface. Never had to put anything under it. And then I just cowboy camp right on top. It was great. And then on the CDT, I got one of those like one sixth or one eighth inch old gray sleeping pads from Gossamer Gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I combined that with uh, Gossamer Gear's inflatable like three quarter lengths pad inflatable pad i think it's discontinued but i still use it like right now i've been sleeping with it in my car here um and it works fine that like set up with the two combined because the pad's not insulated but the little gray thing gives a decent amount of insulation that worked the whole way in the continental divide trail and i've been using it ever since and it's you know imperfect but it does the job it works yep now did you get caught because you did the the CDT last year, but you went yeah. northbound. So you probably didn't right. get caught in Colorado in the snow or with the snow. We didn't get snowed on, but we, we sure sure as heck went through the snow. Mm-hmm. We got there pretty early and San Juan's were like, it was, I think it was like a almost double normal snowpack. It was something insane. Wow. Um, so we went in it, but luckily there had been no like fresh snows. So it, you didn't need snowshoes. A lot of people went in with snowshoes and 
we felt really bad for them because <laughs> they're super heavy and they're absolutely useless. Um, one of our friends was carrying them and she used them like once or twice because she had them and she felt like she had to use them, but you didn't okay. need them. Um, but I've heard from other people other years, you like had to have them. So I, I think it just depends on when you go through them and if there's mm-hmm. been fresh snow, but it was just like really insane snowpack. Like I, all of the trail was covered in snow. So we just walked across the snow in the general direction. Thank goodness for like gut hook, you know, GPS apps where you can just like, you know, the trail is like near you and you'd see it like do this big, like circle around these mountains. You know, if there was no snow, it's probably like, it makes a lot of sense, but it's really hard to go on these like steep slopes. So we would just cut down these huge mountains, just kind of like slide down the snow or like just make our way down and then just go directly up, like just completely cutting off huge bits of like where the trail is Mm -hmm. and just like connecting the dots because it's just, it's just too hard to walk in like sideways, steep snow slopes where you're always tripping. And so we just cut down, cut straight up. It was really, really quite a, quite interesting. You know, it wasn't bad. It was hard, but it was Mm -hmm. like really neat to experience it. You're out there with your friends and you're all kind of commiserating and we got lucky and it was really nice when we went through the San Juans. Like there was beautiful sunshine like every day. We didn't get rained on or snowed on or stormed on and we got through them. We went through the whole San Juan, San Juan's route. A bunch of people took the Creed cut off, uh, which right. snips off like a lot of the real intense part of the San Juans if it's too snowy. But we're like, oh, we can do it. <laughs> And luckily, the first part of it was the hard part, and it got better as we went along. But did you have crampons or anything like that on? We had micro spikes. Okay. Um, I only used them like twice for like two minutes each. And that was the only time we used them. We all had ice axes too. We never used them except to dig cat holes, <laughs> <Just like, laughs> breaking through the frozen ground. Works really good for that, but it really wasn't as bad as people had said. There were definitely times where it was real nice to have the micro spikes. Mm-hmm. And they're surprisingly small, you know, surprisingly cheap. And I'd recommend it if you were going to go through, like, an icy section. There were, there were spots that would have been real sketchy without it. Mm-hmm. But you could do it. When, when did you start the CDT? And when did you finish the CDT? I started May 5th and finished uh, September 6th. Okay. And then what about on the Pacific Crest Trail? I started April 25th, uh, kickoff, and then I finished August 14th or 16th. I can't remember which. But on both of those, you're running into snow, either in the Sierras or the San Juans. and Right. It's like a for sure thing, unless there's like some freak, freak, it doesn't snow at all. Because it was the mm-hmm. lowest snowpack ever to that up to that date when I went through on the PCT, and there was a ton of snow. <laughs> Oh, really? So you're, if, yeah, if you're going on the PCT, you are going to be walking in snow. Yep. Unless you I'm get, going on the unless PCT. You get there. Okay. Yeah, you'll encounter snow. Unless you're going super late, you get into the Sierra real late, or if you go southbound pretty late, too, um, you could avoid it. A lot of people that I, I'm talking to who go northbound, who start later, end up then running into snow when they get into northern Washington. And that's a much bigger problem than walking across old packed snow, like you mm-hmm. will going northbound, like walking through fresh 
powder is not fun. <laughs> it is way more. It is way colder. It is yeah. cold. You know, when we're going through the Sierra, it's bright and sunny. It's warm. You know, the air temperatures. I don't know how warm it actually is up there, but it feels warm. It's probably like fifty degrees or sixty, but in the sun, it feels pretty good. When you're hiking through, you know, mid June or early June. Um, that's not a big deal, but when you're up in Washington and it's like blowing cold snow on you and you're soaking wet, you know, I would definitely aim for hitting the Sierra earlier rather than hitting mm-hmm. Washington later. Uh, Washington is going to start raining real bad before it starts snowing real bad too. And that's not fun. It's it's interesting, like seeing the pictures of people as they're getting into Washington. I mean, they still have essentially the same gear that they had through the Sierras and whatever, you know, the shorts and the, the tights and the, that kind of stuff. But now they're in yeah. heavy rains and snow and colder temperatures. Yeah. It doesn't sound fun. It's not fun. Speaking of fun uh, or the fun of it all, like, did you have any moments? Actually, I guess you've already kind of said you had, you did have, but moments on the trail where you're like, why am I doing this again? And oh, yeah. how did you get beyond that? Um, I mean, the CBP was definitely the most trying and that sort of thought, just like, why, why am I doing this? Like I could be at home like everybody else eating like chicken wings or something. Like, why am I out here? Like Mm -hmm. the smoke filled, just bear infested wilderness. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it was actually, I was having a real hard time on the CBP, like the last thousand miles. I was like getting kind of down and um, it, it was really nice having a partner with me or, or just like, mm-hmm. you know, she'd help and be like, come on, you're, you're going to make it. Just don't, don't leave me out here by myself. And you know, you'll, it's going to get better. And it did. I mean, Glacier at the end is so cool. It was full of smoke when we were there, but it's still cool. You can still kind of see it. Yeah. You just got to like look ahead and just be like, one of the main drivers, at least for me on the CT, was like, I do not want to have to come back out here some other year and finish this. <laughs> like, I'm I'm here. Like, I might as well just hold out for another couple of weeks. Like, I do not want to have to come back and, like, pick up these, like, super remote sections. Like, getting to the mm-hmm. Appalachian Trail, you know, it's no problem. You just drive right there. But trying to get to, like, the Bob Marshall Wilderness, I mean, you can drive there, but it's just so far out of the way from, like, any populated areas. Right. Just like, all right, let's just hang in there. And we did. Did you have any rules for yourself in terms of, I'm not going to, if I feel like quitting, I'm not going to quit until X, or it was just a, I'm never, I'm not going to quit. No, I definitely thought about quitting on the (laughs) CDT, but no, I got my, I got sense knocked back into me. So I stuck with it. Your hiking partner did it for you. Yeah, yeah. She was like, come on. Like, I know it sucks, but we're going to do it. I was like, yeah, all right. It's like, we're fine. Like, we weren't injured. Right. There's nothing wrong with us. Our bodies are in, like, perfect shape. Like, if we had to go out there again, we'd have to, like, get back in shape. And we're doing big miles, and we wouldn't be able to do that if we had to come back. It's just like, yeah. all right, this isn't the best time to do this for sure. Let's right. just do it. <laughs> just finish it. Let's just finish it. Like, and we did, and it was super exciting. Oh, it was super exciting to finish on the CDT, too, because we got evacuated on a speedboat as our finish. So Excuse we got me? down. 
Yeah, we got down to, uh, there's like a ranger station four and a half miles from the Canadian border. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but it's at the point, it's at where the trail meets Waterton Lake, which is the finish of the trail. Okay. And then you hike for four and a half miles and then you go into Canada and then you keep walking four and a half miles to the like town of Waterton Lake. And then you can hitch a ride to, you know, back in the United States or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we get there and we're already like running into like closed trails and we're just like, this is insane. Like, um, these one guy's just like kind of turned like a blind eye at us. They're like, we just closed this trail like a couple minutes ago, but you know, just go ahead. Like, it's fine. And we're like, okay. After like, I had like a freaking, I was just really upset. Like, I was just not in a good mood at that part of the trail. So anyway, we keep going and we make it to Waterton Lake and they're like, Oh, the trail's closed up ahead. You can't, you can't go up there. And we're like, we're four and a half miles from the end. <laughs> like, like, Come is on. it on fire? Is it on fire right where the monument is? And they're like, well, no, but like, you can't, you can't cross into Canada. They closed their side of the border and like, you know, Waterton Lakes is on fire and the air is full of smoke. And we're like, well, can we like, go to the monument and turn around and like, just come back here. And the guy was like, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. You could do that. Just make it quick. And we're like, yes. So we left all our stuff and like, we basically just ran there. Like we didn't have carrier mm-hmm. packs. We ran to the monument and we got our pictures and the smoke filled sky. And, Oh, we were stoked. There's like red tape. We were like, do not cross in French and English. <laughs> then we ran back. And we get to the ranger station and they're like, all right, we'll put you on the next boat to Waterton Lake. They're like, cool. So we sat there for a little bit and there's a couple of people being evacuated. And, uh, yep, they put us on the speedboat and then zipped us across the lake, like super fast. It was kind of cool. We got pictures of us and our like, you know, our orange vests and mm-hmm. national park service boat and, Made it to Waterton Lakes. My friend uh, that I met on the Pacific Crest Trail was there waiting for us to pick us up. He lived in um, Montana. So he grabbed us there. I was like, what the heck? Like, he was allowed to drive into the town, but we can't walk the four and a half miles, like, into the town? Like, what's the difference? Anyway, that's how we finished our PCT hike, or CDT hike. That's kind of cool. I mean, how many people actually have that experience? Oh, I know. It was very unique. Like, we're like, all right, this is pretty cool now. We were really happy at that point. We're like, all right, we did it. We made it. We got all, every freaking footstep. We finally did it and got to, like, you know, get with my friend Dust and he mm-hmm. took us back to his house and they cooked us a big meal and, like, had a stay for, like, a day. Super nice. Really nice way to end. <laughs> it sounds fantastic. It's It sounds, maybe, picture perfect is probably the wrong word, but but you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just, it's one of those memories that it's not like everybody has the same memory of taking a picture at the monument and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. I think we're the last people to get photos at the Waterton monument that year, okay. or at least until later in the year. I think maybe like mm-hmm. snow put out the fires or something, but yeah, that day, like they closed everything in Glacier um, to a certain point. So everyone had to go to Chief Mountain and then I'm pretty sure they closed that at one point too from the fires wow the fires but, are getting worse yeah. and worse every year yeah it's been bad um i don't i haven't really been paying attention up there this year um mm-hmm. 
I don't think it was as bad as last year. I didn't really hear about it. You know, I really don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I know this year on the PCT, they closed the border for a while uh, because of fires. And speaking of the border, how does that work for the purposes of you are crossing into Canada, but Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you're not carrying your passport with you the entire time. So I did on both of the hikes. Just, I don't know why. I probably shouldn't have. I was just like, whatever, I have it with me. So I'm just going to take it. So I carry it the whole way. But I think most people like ship it to them in their last food box if they have food boxes or like we'll just mail it to themselves and then grab it. Yeah, it doesn't weigh that much, but you know, if you're ultra light, you know, carry a passport. <laughs> I um, love that it comes down to the weight. Yeah, it does. I mean, I mean, yeah, I probably wouldn't carry the passport again, but yep. You just go like on the PCT, you go into Canada and there's nobody stopping you. You just, mm-hmm. you, and it's like, here, oh, you're in Canada. And then you walk, down like eight more miles to the road near um, Manning Park and then we all went to Manning Park and like got food and uh, stayed the night there it was real nice and then we took a bus to Vancouver and like no one never checks your passport you know so if stuff ever goes bad in the United States just go to Canada but you, if you want to yeah if you want to come back to the United States you better have your passport because um, they check at the border and if you're trying to right. come in and like, they're like, how did you get here? It's not good. So yeah, you want your passport. Um, a bunch of people couldn't go into Canada. If you have like a felony or a DUI or anything like that, like you're just not allowed to come into Canada. So a lot of people, this really sucks. So don't get a DUI. You're not allowed to cross the border. So then you got to walk. I can't remember how, I think it's like 40 miles or, or 20 miles or something like that back to the nearest road. And then you got to get a hitch out. So it just oh, adds wow. extra miles if you can't cross into Canada. Right. So you come up to the border and then you turn back around. and Yeah. That would yep. be a little but anticlimactic. you made it. Yeah. I mean, even hiking eight more miles, <laughs> you're like, oh, man, like, uh, we finished. And now you're like eight more miles. Yeah. So, but, you know, you're, you're stoked the whole time. So it, sure. it went by really fast. I barely remember it. It's all a blur now. Yeah. At, at Manning State Park, is it like a lodge that has like hostel type beddies or is it rooms or like what? It had like a hotel room, if I recall. Okay. We put a, a bunch of people in one room. It was pretty big. It was nice. Like I remember it being pretty decent. My standards mm-hmm. aren't very high, but I thought it was fine. Well, after being on the PCT, anything with a roof and bed and bedding on it sounds probably pretty good. Oh, Yeah. Are there any weird looks as you come back across the border because you don't actually have a stamp that got you into Canada in the first place? You know, they didn't even like really care. I think they just like, I can't even remember. I think you just hand them your passport and they just stamp it. I, you know, I don't really remember there being any issue huh. like that. I mean, I never really thought about that, but they, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. It's wild. Yeah, we just crossed on a bus. Right. You just coming coming back across. You didn't fly back home or anything like that. No, we, we went to Vancouver and hung out there for a bit just because it was like I'd never been there. And then we took mm-hmm. a bus to Seattle and we flew out to Seattle. Oh, nice. Okay. How do you, I mean, because you're doing a lot of hiking and, and that kind of stuff, a lot of time off, so to speak. How do yeah. you support your need for the time off to do the hiking? 
like, do you have jobs that you can just leave and then go off and hike or do you pre-plan the time off or? Yeah. So I've had like a unusual last six years. Um, probably not typical for most people where I haven't really had any job that would be very long. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the AT, my graduated college, went to the AT. So that took up like that summer. And then I got a job like pretty soon after the AT in North Carolina. And I went down there as a greenhouse grower. So I grew native and ornamental grasses, like wholesale and greenhouses mm-hmm. for 14 months. And it was just like, this is not for me. It was like year nine to five, but it was like 6 a.m. to four, like really early. And just like, uh, I was like, oh, this is taxing on me. And I had to work weekends every single weekend, unless you could get someone to cover for you because plants don't stop needing to be watered on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, this is not what I want to do for five years or like any amount of time any longer. So near the end of that job, like, I was like PCT, I've heard about it. I know I'm going to research this and it didn't take long. I was like, all right, I'm definitely quitting. I'm definitely going to go hike to PCT now. So then I did that in 14 and then I came back and then I worked for a little bit delivering sandwiches for Jimmy John's. My friend like was the boss there and it was really good pay. I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. delivering sandwiches and saved up money from that. And then I did the Arizona trail in 15. And then um, I went to visit my sister in college. She went to the same college as me. And I went and visited my old professors, and they're like, oh, we have a new professor starting, and he's got startup money, so you want to be a grad student? And I was like, sure. So right after the Arizona Trail, I went to grad school. I was there for two years. And then I graduated just last May. And then, like, three days after graduating, I was on the CDT. And then I did the CDT. Then I... um came back and I did this job in Northern California all summer uh, as a botanist, which is a seasonal job. So it's just during the flowering season when you can identify mm-hmm. the plants that you're looking for. So it started in April and then it finished up in um, October, early October. And then the next day I was down on the lowest, highest route. And then now here I am. <laughs> so I haven't really had a job to quit or, you know, any, anything like that yet. You sort of been able to structure your life around being able to do the hiking. Yeah. It's, it's worked out really well. When I was in college, I worked too. I had like Mm -hmm. an extra job where I was just saving up money and that's what funded the continental divide trail hike. I definitely wouldn't have been able to do it. Just being a student. And then, yep, I just did my job here. So now I've got money to do another hike next summer, which is probably so what your, I'm going to do. What's your next big adventure? A PCT 2019, I think. I think I'm going to do it again. <laughs> You're going to start the cycle again. Yeah, I think so. It's just such a nice, beautiful trail. I just mm-hmm. really like it. And like I worked in a lot of areas on and near it all summer and it just made me like, oh, I could... I could definitely do this again. That was nice. That was a nice hike. <laughs> like perfect weather and mm-hmm. just made a lot of cool friends. And it's just beautiful. It's just like a nice mix of everything you want in a trail. I love it. 
You're you're the perfect advertisement for it. It's everything you can want <laughs> in a trail. Everything you could possibly want. I mean, the trail's like just wonderfully graded compared to the AT, where the AT just goes slamming directly up this ridge and goes right down. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the AT is really surprisingly difficult and hard on your body. It's just logistically not as difficult. You're not as remote. Right. But it's funny because that usually is the, the starter drug for everybody. Like, yeah. that's where they start. Yeah. It's funny, like, talking to a lot of other hikers. And um, I was just at All the West. I'm actually, like, right next to where we were at. Um, big hiker gathering. There's, like, a lot of triple crowners there. And a lot of them are like, oh, yeah, you should do the AT first if you can. Because <laughs> the other trails are just so, like, spectacular mm-hmm. that doing the PCT first, which is a lot of people's first trail, at least for West coasters. Yeah. Um, and then going to the AT, a lot of people are like poo poo on the AT. Like, Oh, it sucks. There's no views. <laughs> but you gotta like the AT for what it is. It's, it's different mm-hmm. than the other trails for a reason. And I love the AT. Yeah. Like I love everything about it, yeah. but I also really love the plants and animals and the mushrooms that I find. So I'm like kind of kept, occupied where other people might just be like, oh, I don't care about that. Yeah. Now what is the what is the gathering that you were at or that you've been at? Uh it was the American Long Distance Hiking Association Western chapter Alda. Okay. And they, they have a gathering usually in October and everybody kinda gets together and swaps stories. Yep. Uh they have like presentations. They'll have like speakers come and talk and They'll have like little game, you know, little fun things to do. But mm-hmm. mostly it's just like a socializing event where you learn about new trails or new routes or someone did this neat thing and they'll do a presentation on it. And then you just hang out and you get to like meet a lot of hikers you've heard of, or you follow on Instagram or like you've seen on other trails. So it's really nice. It's like a nice get together. It sounds fun. Have you ever, have you done the other kind of hiker get togethers, the pack shake out, shakedowns, that kind of stuff that happen on the trails? I haven't. No. Okay. But you had done something on the AT though, right? Was I, am I just not remembering correctly? Uh, what do you mean? Did something on the AT? Uh, I was thinking you had done like a, like a shakedown or something like that, but maybe I was incorrect. Um, I went to Trail Days Trail in Days, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I went to Trail Days in 2013, and just there was a lot of hikers there. and It was neat. Uh, Buzz Lightyear and Littlefoot came, uh, the people we hiked with, so... It was cool. Went, I think we went up to like Grayson Highlands and walked around and saw the ponies. It was nice. Let's all get together. It felt like coming back together for a moment. Yeah, just for a little bit. What was your best and worst time on trail? Oh. Okay, I know them both, and they're both on the PCT. <laughs> okay. All right. On the PCT, I was in Ashland, Oregon, and I stayed... In Ashland, just like we met a bunch of hiker friends of hikers and hiker friends, mm-hmm. and um, we I just Ashland was a cool place, and I made a friend there. This one girl was like super into mushrooms and like cultivating plants, and so we just like talked and hung out, and I was like super stoked, like oh this is crazy, this is so cool. Um, and then the next day, like all my friends had hiked on, and I stayed in town, and I was just like oh this is just this is too fun, this is great, so I stayed. And, um, the next day I was behind all my friends by like a day and mm-hmm. I was just, it was just like peak part of the trail. Like your body is just in like perfect working condition. Like, you know, you can just like 
do huge miles and I was all by myself. Like my friend dropped me off and I'm hiking on the trail like early in the morning, just like, you know, already just stoked. I'm like, man, I freaking love, I just love the PCT. I just remember like, this is awesome. And I was hiking and then there's this huge rattlesnake right in the trail. And I was like, Oh, I was like, always wanted to be the crocodile hunter. Like growing up, like he's my <laughs> idol, my hero. I was like, if I'm ever going to get the chance, this, this is it. So I took my trekking pole and I like pinned its head down and I just picked up this huge rattlesnake and I had it in one hand, like behind the head. And I was taking photos up with it, uh, with my phone, my other hand. I'm just like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And it, like it barely rattled. It just like rattled a little bit and it was cold. It was like cold in the morning. So I think it was still kind of mm-hmm. slow. So I picked it up and took all these pictures and then I put it down and like my adrenaline was just like going crazy. And I put a snake down it just, you know, wandered off and just went away. And I was just like super, super stoked. And then I was like running and just hiking super, super fast. And I caught up to my friends, like, I think the next day, like midday the next day, I was mm-hmm. just super stoked on life. It was awesome. Just like adrenaline rushes and yeah. just hiking and that was actually the only night that I was by myself the whole PCT. We always had like other people around. So mm-hmm. that was kind of unusual. But then the worst day uh, was in Oregon uh, near Three Sisters. We were hiking and there's like this big open view, this like alpine kind of area. And this huge thunderstorm was rolling in and like there was just lightning everywhere and it was getting closer. And I'm like, we're in the open. Like I'm always caught. I just like always am caught in the open in these huge thunderstorms where like standing in the middle of a field, you're on top of an alpine <laughs> ridge. And I'm just like, this is what's going to kill me. Like I know it. Like I'm going to be killed by lightning someday. And so I'm running as fast as I can for the tree line and we get there. And then it just starts like crazy lightning hitting like really close to us and huge hailstones are coming down and, we had time to put up, or me and my friend Guthrie anyway, we had time to put up our tents and uh, they're just being pummeled. And our other friends catch up like a little bit later and they're wet and they're putting up their tents and just, oh, there's lightning hitting everywhere. And then it goes away and it's like nighttime and it's just like kind of raining a little bit. We're like, wow, that was crazy. Glad that's over. <laughs> we wake up in the next morning and it's like still kind of sprinkling. It's like all foggy and there's still like big snow drifts around from the year before. And we're like, wow, it's so mystical. And we're hiking and it starts raining harder and then it rains way harder. And then it gets really, really windy and it gets so cold. We're like, it's like probably like right above freezing and the wind is just blasting. And like, we've got all of our layers on. I got like my rain jacket on and I'm just freezing cold. I can't get warm. And I finally find my friend Twinkle Toes and he's setting up his like tarp. He just has like, He's going like super ultra light. He's just got like a tarp, or, like there's just a square piece of plastic, and he's trying to put it up in the trees. And his hands are too cold to do it. So I run down, I'm like, yeah, dude, that's a good idea. Let's just wait this out. And uh, like our hands couldn't move with enough strength to like get these strings untangled. And there's like a stick mm-hmm. caught in them. They're all tangled. So we're taking turns, like warming our hands, like between our legs, and then like working on it until they stopped working again finally we got this up and uh it, it's just crazy wind and rain still and we get underneath it and we pull out our sleeping bags and 
the tarp is blown everywhere. So like water's pouring in our sleeping bags are just soaking wet. And we're just like, this is bad. It's like 11 in the morning. And, uh, our friend junior senior walks up and he's the same condition as us. Like, Oh, it's so cold. And we're like, come on, get in here. And we're all like mm-hmm. snuggling, like butt to butt spooning each other. <laughs> and we're like, this, like, Oh, this is it. We're getting in like freaking survival situation. And, uh, so then we get underneath the tarp and we're just laying there. We're like, all right, we're a little bit warmer. We're eating food and we're talking to each other. Like, okay, this is going to be okay. And then our friend carrot walks by and she's like, I'm so cold. Like I have to keep walking. If I stop walking, I'm going to get too cold. So mm-hmm. she keeps on going. She's going to make it. To t- it's only like nine miles to town or something like that. But like, we're just, we can't do it. We're too cold. Um, so uh, she makes it to town. We lay under the tarp for seven hours while it's just getting worse and worse, blowing cold. We're getting colder and it's like going to get dark soon. And we're like, we're going to freeze. We're going to be, it's going to get so cold. <laughs> and somehow we had service on our phone and uh carrot called us and she's like, guys, I made it to town. Like I'm sitting in a hotel in sisters right now. I just took a bath. A hot bath. I've got a whole roasted chicken. I'm eating a whole roasted chicken. Guys, you can make it. You can, like, if you leave right now, you'll have time to get there, like, as it's getting dark. Like, I'll right. find somebody in town, and they'll come and pick you up from the trailhead. I promise. Like, you got to get out of there. And we're just like, oh, oh, hell yeah. Like, I want a roasted chicken. I want a bath. Like, yeah, I want everything that she's talking about. Mm-hmm. So we pack everything up. We're freezing cold. And we just start running as fast as we can. We take off all of our wet clothes. I put the only dry thing that we had left on. I had like just like my base layer, like underwear armor stuff on. I think Twinkle right. was like in his underwear or something like that. And uh, the three of us, Junior, Senior, and Twinkle, and I are like running down this trail, these like nine miles. And as we're running, like the rain turns to snow and it's like <laughs> blasting like snow. We're like, this is insane. It's like July 20th or something. And mm-hmm. it's snowing in Oregon. So. We make it, we run all the way down, we get to the trailhead, like it's just gotten dark and it's still like cold and windy. So we go into the pit toilet and like, as soon as we go in that, this car pulls up to this like trailhead and this old lady comes out and she's like, are you Sheriff Woody and Twinkle Toes and Junior Senior? We're like, yes, yes, it's us. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm Blanche, I'm Carrot told me you'd be here. She picked us up and took us to town. And our, all of our friends were in this hotel room all together. We jammed like 10 of us in there. And we all took turns taking baths and eating chicken. We ran over to the store. We got to the store in time. And we got all this food. We're all laughing. We're all so happy. We're watching like, an orangutan give birth on TV. We're like, <laughs> oh, we, we made it. Like, we're not going to die. And it went from like, the lowest part in my life mm-hmm. to the absolute highest just within like a seven hour period that is so that was a long story it's amazing i mean i thank god for carrot calling you and cell service but oh i know we got so lucky it would have been, i don't think we would have died we had like a spot but you know it would have been really unbelievably miserable we may have had to be like you know had people come and like give us like emergency blankets or something i don't know but oh yes did you carry any sort of emergency beacon or anything i did not um twinkle had one i carry one now i have one on the cdt 
and then I use it on the lowest to highest as well. Just I thought those okay. trails would be more remote, more dangerous, but they were fine. I, I'm glad I had it. It really doesn't weigh a whole lot. I've kind of like gotten to a point where like, all right, I'm ultra light, but I don't have to be like super ultra light. Like, <laughs> I'll I can carry be ultra light, but I don't need to be crazy. Yeah, you know, like carry carry the beacon. Like the worst it's gonna do is you know it weighs four ounces or whatever. That's yeah. whatever. It's worth it if like something bad happens. People break their leg every now and then, or you trip and you snap your arm. Like it's it's yeah. good to have it. Is there anything that you feel like we missed that that needs to be said here? Uh, no. What else would you like to know about? Oh. You don't. You really don't want to ask me that question. I could go down the rabbit hole and never come back out. But <laughs> ask away. Well, at, at this moment, I I think I'm good. The only the only big thing that I feel like I missed is feet, like feet? shoes, socks, gaiters, like. Okay. Yeah. So on on the AC, I wore um, some real hefty, real expensive boots and. I lost all my toenails. I lost them all. Oh. They all turned black and pussy. And was, I got some great footage I put on Instagram. It was like one of my first photos. Like no one's ever actually seen it, but super graphic. I'd lose all my followers if I ever put it up again. Um, but yeah, if you want to hunt for it, it's there. Um, just like it bubbled up and it just pussed out and, and then it fell off. <laughs> so that hurt on the yeah. PCT. I wore the exact same boots on day one. I was like, all right, boots, you know, that's what you wear. That's what you wear to hike. Everybody on the AT wore boots. And I go on the PCT, and I'm hiking with Carrot, and she's like, not wearing boots. I'm like, what are you wearing? She's like, oh, they're, they're Brooks Cascadia. They're trail runners. I was like, what's trail runner? <laughs> so <laughs> then I, like, I look around. I'm paying attention to everybody else that's out there. All have like trail runners, like all, mm -hmm. not necessarily Brooks, but you know, trail runners and day one, those boots from the border to Lake Morena killed my big toenails and they died and they all pussed out and did everything again. But luckily I started on trail days. So at Lake Morena, there's all these people with like, you know, gear that they were selling. Mm -hmm. And I just saw the shoe that carrot had. And I was like, all right, I'll buy that shoe. I bought that shoe, and it is the best shoe I've ever had. And I still wear the exact same ones. I just keep buying them off of eBay because I don't make them anymore. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that pair of shoes that I bought at Lake Morena took me from Lake Morena all the way to Ashland, Oregon, 1,700 miles on a single pair, which is That's not amazing. normal. No. Not normal, but I also, like, you know, I just kind of suffered, and, you know, the tread was, like, completely gone. But I was like, man, eh, it still works. Everybody else kind of, like, I think they got like maybe five or 700 miles out of a shoe, which is good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's the shoe. I, I definitely recommend trail runners over boots on any hike. They're just more flexible. Right. They're lighter. You're not as likely going to lose toenails. I still lose toenails anyway, but you know, it doesn't hurt. It's fine. Um, but yeah, like uh, shoe or sock wise, um, I, I've gotten to like darn toughs lately. Okay. Um, I don't even remember. I probably just use like Walmart socks or something on the AT. Mm -hmm. But I love the darn toughs. They they work well for me. Some people don't like them. I you just gotta find what fits your foot well, and then just keep using it until yeah. And then I've used Dirty Girl Gators. 
um, which work great. Uh, they just hook right onto your shoelaces and you put a little piece of Velcro on the back of your shoe and they're super lightweight and they're great. They keep like sand and pine needles and, you know, things like that out of your shoe. Um, it also helps a little bit walking through snow to a point uh, when you're walking through snow, a lot of times the Velcro will get rubbed off and mm-hmm. then they don't work. You just throw a new piece of Velcro on now. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely recommend like some sort of lightweight gators. Um, there's another company called Sogo Outdoors, which makes a similar uh, gator and I've used those okay. too and they work, they work great. You, just any kind of small gator that just covers the opening of your shoe. You don't want anything that goes underneath. I've seen some gators have like a strap that goes underneath the foot of right. the shoe, which is going to get style. worn away. Yeah, that will not last long. And it's a way bigger and heavier. Do you worry about putting your like putting your feet in some sort of plastic or something when you're on the snow fields? Uh, if you're in those lighter weight shoes to, to just keep them from getting as wet? I didn't. I know people okay. that do that and they seem to like it. Um, I just kind of like so hard to keep your feet dry when you are walking through snow and things like that. Like even yeah. if you have plastic bags, I guess maybe if you like rubber banded them around your like leg real mm-hmm. tight, I can't imagine that would be comfortable. And even then like snow is going to get you caught up the top and then melt and seep in. Yeah. So I just get my feet wet. Like as long as you're moving, your feet will stay warm. It's pretty amazing. Right. Like you can walk through 10, 20 miles of snow nonstop and your feet will stay warm. It's, Unless it's like really cold, but like in the summertime, yeah, you'll be fine. And then it's just drying them when you finish, when you stop. Yep. Um, they will dry when you wear them. That's, they're not really going to okay. dry when you take them off unless it's like really dry and windy. Like you go from like a snowy mountain to the desert, like from mm-hmm. top of Mount San Jacinto down into the desert. Like that's like the only situation I can think of where that would occur. Um, but yeah, they dry pretty fast. Trail runners are made to be pretty lightweight and breathable. You can pull out the, um, the sole, like the insole mm-hmm. and take that out and then let them like dry separately. They'll dry a little faster that way. Okay. Um, we've had a couple times like in the San Juans where, um, you've been walking in water and wet snow all day and your shoes and socks will freeze solid overnight. And we had to make little fires to thaw them in the morning a couple of days, which was Sweet. interesting. And yeah, not super, mm-hmm. not super fun to put frozen things on your feet. It's not fun to put wet things on your feet. No. So, but, yep. That's amazing. I'm going to, I'm going to let you go in just a second, Okay. but I did want to ask you like, where can people find you? Um, Instagram is the main social media outlet I use. I'm Sheriff underscore Woody underscore PCT on Instagram. And feel free to send me a direct message or comment on my stuff. Like I always respond to those if I see them. So yep, if anybody wants to contact, Instagram would be the way to go. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much. No problem. notes and links for Matt's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. 
Special thanks to Matt for sharing his stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I would love to hear about your trail stories as well. Please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. We would love it if you could also take a moment and find us on your favorite podcast provider and leave a review. I'll see you on the trail 